just get some coffee. Just go up here to the coffee place and grab some. You're gonna leave without saying a word, no goodbye, no nothing. I love you, you know. I do, no matter what, and you need to know that. Yeah, right. What do you mean by that? I don't mean anything by it. Yeah, what are you trying to say by doing that? I'm not trying to say anything. Sure you are. Not, Jimmy. What is there to say? I've been cheating on you. You want details? Is that it? Details? Just slow down, please. Just go out and grab a cup of coffee. That's all I'm You really need to stop forgiving me like this, Jimmy. I'm leaving. Lisa. Lisa, please. No, here. Here's your ring. Would you please just take the ring? Come on, Lisa. After all those nights I waited up for you, you can't give me the time it takes to drink a cup of coffee? Jimmy, please. Just a cup. No. A single cup of coffee, that's all I'm asking. What is it with you and the coffee? You make it sound like salvation or something. I don't want coffee. Would you please just take the ring? Why don't you just take it to a pawn shop and hawk it or something? I'm not taking it back. You know, Jimmy, it's not just the infidelity. Your birthday? I wasn't at work like I said I was. I was with somebody else. Somebody else? You know what I mean. That pocket watch I gave you? I didn't have time to go get your gift. So he gave it to me. That was his watch. Maybe you ought to give that back to him. Can't you see what I mean? I tried to be a good wife to you. I did. But there's something wrong with me. I can't do it. And you're a good man, Jimmy. You deserve better than that. I don't want better than that. I want my wife. No, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> no, you cannot love this. Nobody can care for this. I think that I'm stupid, and I can't see that you're a walking contradiction. And why can't I love you? It's my heart. It's my love. I can do with it what I want. I can love my mother. I can love watching bees suck nectar from a flower. And I can love your eyes when they're desperate and lonely like this. It's mine. I'm allowed. And right now, I invest my love in you because that is who I am. I'm your husband. I'm the man who promised you through thick and thin. And if you could feel those words in the way that I mean them right now, you wouldn't question whether I'm capable of loving you or not. You would say no. He loves me that much. I'm only asking for a cup of coffee.
God loves you that much. In this book of Hosea, we've been looking at God's feelings for His people. That God has feelings too. This little book, this little book called Hosea, the prophet Hosea, and God many times experience the same emotion, and that is anger. You know, for some of you who've maybe been out of church for a long time, for me to say that God is angry is not a surprise to you. Because uh, maybe the reason why you think you've left church, you kind of, kind of did a 180 on church and God is because you thought God was just ticked. Um, that's the reason why some people walk away from church and God. In fact, that's the reason why Oprah walked away from church and God. She was at church one day and she heard her pastor talk about the jealous love of God. And this is a quote that she says, I heard my preacher talk about God as a jealous God and I thought, I don't want to serve or know a God who is jealous? Why in the world would God be jealous of me? This anger and jealousy. We've been talking over the past couple of weeks that when we substitute for God something or someone else, that God has every right to be angry. We talked last week that when we substitute those things for God, the Bible calls them idols. And whether that's the idol of a, like we talked about last week, of approval, the idol of power, the idol of control or comfort, that when we substitute for God, those, any of those four things, that substitutes don't satisfy and substitutes make God angry. Let's get into the context before we jump into Hosea chapter 3. If you would, turn to One Church Bibles in page 679, and we're going to look at Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. And this is the context. God told Hosea in chapter 1, verse 2 to do something. He says, When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, He said to him, Go and marry a prostitute, so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate. Everybody say the word illustrate. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. And God is saying, I have feelings too, and in order for you to understand how I feel, Hosea, I want you to do something. I want you to go and find an adulterous woman a promiscuous woman, and I want you to give your heart to her. And I want you to love her unashamedly and abandonedly. And then, once she leaves you, and she will leave you, you will understand how I feel, Hosea. You see, what God did long ago is He chose a group of people. They ultimately were called the Israelites or Hebrews. He chose the Israelites, and he says, I am going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. And the Israelites, they said in response, you're going to be our God, and we're going to be your people, and we're going to serve you wholeheartedly. And uh, God says, great. 
I'm going to choose you and I'm going to make you a blessing to all other nations and I'm going to prosper you. But here's the thing. I want you to be holy. It's a church word that means unique, set apart. I want you to be set apart and holy from all of your other countries that surround you. They serve many gods. They serve this God and that God and they sacrifice to this God and they give their life to this God. But I only want you to serve one God. I am Yahweh. I want you to serve me. And we find that the one thing that God asked them to do, the first thing in the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten, they could not do because they substituted for God other idols because they didn't want to be set apart. They didn't want to be unique. They didn't want to be holy, and they wanted to be like everybody else. I'm sure y'all don't know what I'm talking about, right? I don't want to, I want to be like him or her. And they put God third, fourth, fifth among their priorities. And when we substitute for God anything else and we make Him second, third, fourth, fifth, twelfth, that makes Him angry because the God of the universe created them and created you with a specific hole in your life that really only God can fill. A, a need that only God can satisfy. But what many of us do is we seek to satisfy the need that only God can satisfy with approval of other people. Or power. If I could just get more power and hang on to it. Or if I could just get more money. Or if I could just, you know what, if I could just have all the shoes in the world. You know, if I could just, if I could have the wardrobe, if I could have the, the abs of steel. If I could have the buns of steel. Right? If I could just look this way, if, if I could have my, the things in my life under control, then that would really satisfy. And God says, no, it doesn't satisfy. Because you're going to be hungrier and thirstier after you've pursued those substitutes, those idols. Today we're going to be looking at the question, okay, if God's angry, what does God do with his anger? That's a great question. I don't know what you do with your anger. When I get angry, all right, you know, well, I'm not going to tell you what I do when I get angry, all right? Some of you all have seen that. Um, so, but what do you do in your anger? What do you do? You get a you know, a stick and beat a tree with it? What do you do? Do you let off a four-letter word? You see, whatever you do and I do when we get angry, I hope God doesn't do when he gets angry. So we're going to ask and answer the question, what does God do with his anger? Hosea chapter 3, what does God do with his anger? Hosea 3, 1, and this is what, this is how it begins. Then the Lord said to me, Hosea, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. Hosea's wife, her name is what? Anybody remember? Gomer, all right? She has been unfaithful to Hosea. She's committed adultery more than once. In fact, we know that two of her children are pretty much... Done, are their tricks? 
They're, they're kids that weren't Hosea's kids. But in the middle of her unfaithfulness, in the middle of her running from her, love, uh, her one true love, Hosea, in her life, and pursuing other lovers, Hosea comes back and extends love to her again. Look at verse, the end of verse 1 of chapter 3. Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will what? Where have we heard that word before? That's right, back in chapter 1. In fact, let's look at it. Um, uh, the Lord said to him, Go and marry a prostitute, and this will... What's that? Illustrate. Now, what is this going to illustrate? It's illustrating Israel's unfaithfulness, right? See, God told Hosea to go marry Gomer, a prostitute, and this would illustrate Israel's unfaithfulness. Now, let's go back and read chapter 3, verse 1, and let's read the whole thing. Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will, let's say that next word again. This will illustrate what? Is it going to illustrate Israel's unfaithfulness? No. It says this will illustrate that the, what's that next word? Lord still loves Israel. Okay. The first time God spoke to Hosea, go and marry a prostitute, it's to illustrate Israel's unfaithfulness. This time, God speaks to Hosea and says, I want you to go and pursue Gomer again. And this is going to illustrate my faithfulness. Israel's unfaithfulness, my faithfulness. Gomer's unfaithfulness, Hosea's faithfulness. Mine and your unfaithfulness. And God is always faithful. <clears throat> Let's continue reading. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods, idols, and love to worship them. You know, one of the most powerful feelings is the sense of betrayal. And in this middle of Gomer's betrayal to Hosea, God tells Hosea, I want you to go and continue to love her because that's what I do with you, Israel. That's what I do with you, my child, that's what God is saying here. I'm going to illustrate my faithfulness and my love to you. That even though you continue to, continue to pursue after your other lovers, even though you continue to pursue after your other idols, and you continue to substitute for me things and people that do not belong, I will continue to love you. You see, what's happened in this point is Gomer, who used to be... <clears throat> married and hanging out and in charge and together with Hosea, living in the same house, she's ran away. She's ran away and she's ran into the arms of other lovers. Some people think that she ran back to temple prostitution. That uh, the, what, One of the things that would be is because how they worship these other gods and many of these were fertility gods is they would be fertile in front of the gods, all right? And that, that's, that probably is what she did. She could have went back to a brothel. Either way, she sold herself. And some of you, you've never ever sold yourself like a prostitute. But we do have a price. And we have sold ourselves. We've sold our integrity. We've sold our character. We've sold 
the thing that is most precious to us. And it may have been for money, it may have been for approval, it may have been for power, comfort, or control, but we continue to live our life after those other gods. So God tells Hosea, I want you to go and find her again. And what Hosea is going to find out is that Gomer is in slavery. She is enslaved by her prostitution. Look at verse 2. So I bought her back. Okay, you don't buy somebody back unless they're sold, correct? I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. So he's saying, I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver, and the barley and the wine, that also cost 15 pieces of silver. So if you get 15 and 15, what do you get? 30. Thank you. <laughs> 30 pieces. No, so wh- wh- where are you going with that? Well, 30 pieces of silver, that's a really unique Every time it's found in the Bible, it's the price sold of a slave. In fact, in Exodus chapter 21, verse 32, it talks about what a a slave's life is worth. It's worth 30 pieces of silver. In fact, look at how Eugene Peterson uh, paraphrases this in Hosea 3.2. It says, I did it. I paid good money to get her back. It cost me the price of a what? Of a slave. You see, now hear me. Anytime you substitute for God something else, and what Gomer did was substitute for Hosea other people's love, substitutes will always put you into slavery. Substitutes will always enslave. That's our big idea for today. Let's all say it. Substitutes make you a slave. Let's say it again. Substitutes make you a slave. Anything that takes our attention from Jesus ultimately enslaves us. Idolatry enslaves us. Well, hear me. When you look at the history of Israel, God told them, I want you to love me and me alone. The first of the ten. And he says, if you don't, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. Other nations are going to come in. These other nations, you serve these many gods, and you want to be like them? You want to serve their gods? You don't want to serve me? If you continue to worship after their gods, they're going to come in and they're going to conquer you, and they're going to enslave you. And that is exactly what happened. You know what? God is a God of His Word. He is faithful. Even when He pronounces blessings, or when He pronounces, you know what? I'm warning you. You keep on going after that direction, this is going to happen. See, God's a, a better parent than you and I are. God says, don't do it. Don't do it. And God is always consistent in blessings and as well when we're disobedient and we need spankings. He's always consistent. 30 pieces of silver. She is a slave. 30 pieces of silver. That's found somewhere else as as well in the Bible. You know, when we choose our own way, when we choose sin over God, when we choose to substitute for God our own idea of pleasure or approval or fame, we become enslaved. And Hosea had to buy Gomer back for 30 pieces of silver. Hosea bought Gomer back, the cost of a slave. Do you know how much Judas received for selling Jesus out? That's right. Matthew twenty six fifteen. Judas asked, how much are you going to pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 
pieces of silver. Just as Gomer was enslaved by her sin and Hosea bought her back, so you and I are enslaved when we choose to go our own way in sin. And you know what? You know how God buys us back? God bought us back by allowing His Son to be sold as the price of a slave. The re- how we're bought back, the biblical word is redemption or redeem. We're bought back from slavery into freedom by Jesus Christ being betrayed and crucified on a cross. By the way, 30 pieces of silver, you're like, well, how does that look? Is that 30 dimes? No, 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 no. 30 pieces of silver in today's money was four months' wages. Four months. Now, I don't know how much you make, and you don't know how much I make, but wouldn't we all agree that four months' wages to use a lot of moolah? Can we agree on that? I don't know what that looks like. But that's a lot of money. That is how much it cost Hosea to buy his unfaithful bride back. Now, uh, Hosea, don't you know what she's done to you? She's cheated on you. Can you imagine what Hosea's friends responded? You need to leave the girl. You don't, and you're, you're spending four months of your hard-earned money to buy back a bride who's a prostitute on you? Are you kidding me? What are you doing? Hosea says, no, no, no. I am going to buy her back, number one, because I love her. Number two, because God has asked me to do this because this is going to illustrate something about God's character, something about God's faithfulness. Verse 3 of Hosea 3. Then I I said to her, Gomer, you must live in my house for many days and you must stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even me. He went back to her and he says, you know what, I want you to be faithful. He reminded her of her wedding vows. He put the ring back on her finger. And he says, you are married to me and I am married to you and I gave my life and my love to you and I will always be faithful to you. Please be faithful to me. He reminded her that we're in, we're in this death do us part. We're in this... Hosea pursues Gomer like crazy. Hosea continues to chase her, continues to love her, continue to buy her back. You know what? I can't relate to Hosea. I don't know what that type of love looks like. I, would, I think I'm capable of that type of love. But I don't know. I really can't relate to Hosea in this story, but I can really relate a whole lot to Gomer. Now, before your mind goes off, I've never been a prostitute, all right? But I know what it means to receive love when I don't deserve it. I know what it means and how it feels to receive somebody's love, grace, and mercy even when I am undeserving of it. I know how that feels. And you probably know how that feels as well. Substitutes enslave us. That when we substitute for God anything else, whether it be approval, comfort, control, power, we are, in, we are brought into bondage and every time God pursues me, God buys me back. And do you know what? You and I are worth the price paid to bring us back. You are worth it. 
think about this. You ever, see, you ever been on eBay and you, you see this sometimes stuff that's on there and you're thinking, man, people, there's 10 bids on this and it's 180 bucks and it's just a little, you know, what in the world? You wouldn't give two cents for it, would you? But really, how much is that worth? It's worth the price paid that people are willing to pay to purchase that item. Let me tell you how much you're worth. Let me tell you how much you are worth to God. You are worth the price of His one and only unique Son. You are worth the price paid to bring you into a relationship with God. Now, you may not feel like you're worth it. That's a different thing. But let me tell you, you're worth it. Because God paid that much to buy us back. And that moment when we really realize, you know what, I am undeserving of this. I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve God's faithfulness. I don't deserve God's grace. That I am just messed up. And I'm a sinner and I choose to go my own way and I choose to run after this lover and that lover and that lover and not run after God. It's in that moment that we realize that we don't deserve it, that we truly understand God's salvation of grace and mercy and forgiveness. The great thing about this book of Hosea is that this is the clearest picture of Jesus in the Bible, in the Old Testament especially. Because up to that point, Jesus hadn't come. So they're all thinking, the Messiah, who's he going to be? And God gives us this clear picture of this, uh, of this lover like Hosea willing to buy her back and buy us back. You know, when I started this series, I got a lot of feedback from some of you guys. <laughs> I got um, feedback uh, from you guys that you didn't like this series. In fact, one person said, it's just, it's just icky. I just, I don't feel good, you know. In in fact, one person told me, um, you know, I know this is in the Bible. Why do you have to talk about it? All right? And that's a great, honest response. It's an honest response. You see, the reason why there's ickiness here and the reason why we feel icky talking about this stuff is Gomer is a clear picture of who? Us. Gomer is a clear picture of you and I. In fact, there's one person here today that I remember, one of her biggest issues about before coming to Christ, I remember she said this. She says, I, I know I'm going to leave him. I'm not perfect. I, 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 you know, I'm just, I can't be that good. And hear me, God's saying, I know you're not going to be that good. But I still love you, and I still want to pursue you, and I love you. I'm head over heels. I'm madly in love with you. I'm not mad at you anymore. I took my anger, and here's what God did with his anger. We asked the question, what did God do with his anger? Let me tell you what God did with his anger. He satisfied his anger with Jesus Christ. In fact, look at what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. It says, for God made who? Christ, that's Jesus, who never sinned. He, I mean, he was completely perfect to be the offering. He gave him over for our sin so that we could be made right through Christ. Gave him over. He was sold as a slave. That Jesus literally became our offering for our sin. Another great verse, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates. Everybody say that word, demonstrates. 
demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners. Now hear me. God didn't die, you, die for you because you were having a great day. You know that? I mean, the best day that you ever had, the day that you got your promotion, the day that your mom and dad were proud of you, the day that your, that your wife was proud of you. I mean, that, the best day of your life, God didn't die for that day. I want you to think of the worst day of your life, the, the, where you were in the lowest dumps, where you were doing the filthiest, awfulest thing that you could ever think of. Christ died for that day. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what did God do with his anger? He satisfied his anger through Jesus Christ. Now, some of you, again, maybe you've not been back to church for a while, and you're asking, well, if God was mad, <clears throat> why didn't he just stop being mad? Why, why did something have to be given for it? Why did he have to satisfy his anger? That's kind of weird, all right? <clears throat> That's a great question. Here's what you've got to realize, is God is a just God. God is a holy God. He is righteous. <clears throat> so when we choose to do wrong, when we choose to go our own way, there is a payment for that. When something was wrong, something had to be given for the wrong for it to be made right. Because somebody has to pay. Okay, if you're going to get a bailout, this is not my notes, I'm out there a little. If you're going to get a bailout, somebody's got to pay, right? God's saying, listen, these people need a bailout. They are never going to get out of it. They're going to try as hard as they, they're never ever going to get out of the substitutes that enslave them. It's too much money. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bail them out. I, they can't do it. I'm going to do it. And the only thing that I can do it with is the price paid. It's, it's my son. That is how we got out of the spiritual bailout that we were so needy. And God says, I am willing to pay it because you are worth it. God is sending prophets over and over again. Hey, turn from God, repent. Turn from God, repent. Don't love other people. Don't substitute for God other idols. Don't make me second, third, or fourth. Come back to me, come back to me. Hosea wrote this in 750, and 30 years later, Israel is conquered, and they're conquered by the Assyrians, and they remain in captivity until 1948. That's a long time, people. 1948, verses 4. This shows that Israel will go for a long time without king or a prince. Long time. And without sacrifices, because the temple's going to be raised. Sacred pillars, priests, or even, they're not, look at this, they're not even going to look at their idols anymore. So everything's going to be overthrown. The worship is going to be overthrown. How they sacrifice, and 30 years later it all comes true. It just goes to show you that God is faithful even when he brings, say, listen, don't do that. Don't go that way. He's faithful in his promises to bless us, and he's faithful in his promises to say, I'm going to spank you. I, I, again, I've watched so many parents when their kids disobey. This is what they do. One, two, three, four, eighteen. 19. Seriously, I've, I've seen a person count all the way to 22. You know, it kind of loses the punch, you know what I mean? God says, don't do it. 
And he is consistent in his parenting, unlike we are. And he always blesses when he says he's going to bless, and he always spanks every time he says he's going to spank. The theme of Hosea is God's jealous love. Look at this, verse 5. Substitutes will, will definitely enslave you, but afterward the people will. What is that next word? Return. That's the theme of the book of Hosea. Afterwards, the people are going to return and devote themselves to the Lord, their God, and to David's descendant, their king. By the way, his name is Jesus Christ. In the last days, they will tremble in awe for the Lord and all of his goodness. The Lord remains good even though we are bad. Even though Israel had been unfaithful, God is faithful. And that brings us back really to the end, and it's where we started. You remember Hosea's name? Anybody remember Hosea's name? What did it mean? Salvation, very good. Does anybody remember Gomer's name? To bring it into, to use up, or to destroy. You see, Gomer tried to bring it into, to use up, to destroy Hosea's love, Hosea's salvation. And who won out? Hosea. Because salvation always wins out. And some of you right now, you're thinking, you know what? I've, gone, I've, I've, I've turned my back one too many times on God. And God, I've lost your salvation. And God says, listen, if you had salvation for me, you will always have salvation for me. Because you know what? Remember how we talked about that? That God takes our sin and puts it on Jesus. And God takes Jesus' righteousness and puts it on us. You know what? He doesn't see our sin anymore. When he looks at us, what, what does he see? God's righteousness. God's grace. You know what? Nothing will bring an end to God's faithfulness, not even our unfaithfulness. Now let me tell you where some of you are at this morning. Some of you are at right now, you're just struggling because you're thinking, you know what? I don't think I have salvation. What can I do? How can I have that relationship with God? If God is not angry at me, but He's madly in love for me and with me, how can I have that? You see, how, how Oprah got it wrong was this. She's thinking, God is jealous of me, and God is not jealous of Oprah. He's not jealous of Harpo Productions. He's not jealous of me, and He's not jealous of you. But let me tell you what God is. God is jealous for Oprah. And God is jealous for me, and He's jealous for you because He loves me, and He loves Oprah, and He loves you. And if we would just stop what we're doing and return to God, He is there with arms open wide, and He's there to save us. So what I'm going to ask some of you to do this morning is that for you just to just step out and begin that relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can do that sitting where you're at. You can just pray. You can, Jesus, I need you to come into my heart. Save me from my sin. I'm turning to you and I'm trusting in you. That's how you get salvation. That's how you get Hosea. And you can never, ever go more Hosea. You can never bring an end to salvation. Some of you right now, you know what? You know that you're saved, but you've been going like this for Jesus for a long time. Uh, 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 hang on. I'll come back to you, but let me try to satisfy my desires other places besides God. Let me tell you, that will enslave you. It always does, and it will not satisfy. And God's saying, come back to me, and my arms are wide open. Always, come back to me. Come back to me. Let's pray. Come back to me.
Come back to me. That's what you're saying, God. Come back to me. Lord, you're so in love with us. Just like Hosea was so in love with Gomer. And Gomer didn't deserve it and I don't deserve it. But you still love us. You still head over heels in love with us and for us. And you're jealous for us. And Lord, you gave your son Jesus Christ to satisfy your anger. So Lord, right now, I just pray for those in here who need to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that they would just, they would just in their minds and their hearts silently, they would pray a prayer, God, I need you. Lord, I've tried all of this other stuff and it hadn't worked. Lord, I'm asking you to come into my heart and my life. Lord, I'm choosing to turn from those substitutes and to turn to you, Jesus. Come into my heart. I need you. I need you so badly. Lord, there's others here today, Lord, that... Lord, we love you on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, we give our love to other things, other people, your word is so clear when it says I am your God and you are to have no other gods before me you are to love me with all of your heart with all of your soul with all of your mind and with all of your strength and the key word is all I want all of you I don't want one seventh of you I don't want the Sunday version of you I want the Friday night version of you I want the Saturday morning version of you I want the Wednesday afternoon version of you I want you and I want all of you so stop it. Come back to me. Return. Stop being unfaithful and you will see my faithfulness at work in you and through you. And Lord, I know there's so many of us in here, Lord, that we just need to say, you know what? I need to step out. I, I need to be baptized. I need to let everybody know that I am sold out for Jesus Christ and that He is my Savior and I am His bride. So, Lord, I come to you, and, Lord, I just I pray, Lord, and I just I need you in my heart. I need you to be number one. We love you so much, Jesus Christ. For you first loved us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.